I'm attempting to record this. I don't know how it's going to come out, though, because I don't have my mic for my phone. I have it in my other bag. But, but last week, we looked at the heroes of faith, and we looked at Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And does anyone remember who was here last week, what we learned from Abel about his faith? Why was his faith considered righteous? Because he brought the right sacrifice to God. Blood had to be shed. And how do we appropriate that in our lives today? Jesus is our Lamb of God. And we need to appropriate his blood in our life every day. Sometimes you feel like every minute of the day, too. Then we looked at Enoch's faith in his generation. And we saw what about Enoch? He walked with God. And the scripture that we take out of context, which goes really with Enoch, he believed God was, and he, that he was a reward of those who diligently seek him. So how that applies to us is that we can choose to walk with God in this generation, which is encouraging because he sees those that are choosing to walk with him, especially in this generation where everything seems to be turning anti-Christ. And then we looked at Noah's faith, how he implemented his faith in his generation. Does anyone remember how? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, say that again? He listened to God even though he was ridiculed for doing so? Yeah. He, he believes what God said. He listened to God. God told him judgment was coming to build an ark for him and his family. And he believed in the promises of God. And how long did he have to wait? A long time. <laughs> A long time. Did God keep his promise? Yeah. We have an ark in our time to prove it. <laughs> so... As I was reflecting on what we did last week, and because there wasn't some here last week and I wasn't able to record last week, that's why I just did a little review just now. How will your faith or my faith be described by someone who knew you in the next generation? Think about that. Because these are men and women of God that were looking at their lives, at their faith, how they lived in their generation, believing God, believing in God's promises. What are people going to say about us when we're no longer here, about our faith? What do they see in our lives? So that's something to just consider, ponder. There's a quote from the Bible study that we're doing, Becoming Women of Faith. It's by F.B. Meyer. And we just heard in the sanctuary about being on a boat and the winds and the waves coming and faith being tested. But we don't have to freak out because Jesus is in the boat with us. Right? F.B. Meyer said, as long as we are quietly at rest, 
amid favorable and undisturbed surroundings, faith sleeps as an undeveloped sinew within us, a thread, a germ, an idea. There's no substance to it. But when we are pushed out from all these surroundings, and he has no idea what I was speaking on tonight. <laughs> so you could trust that was the Lord speaking to us all. When we're pushed out from all of these surroundings with nothing but God to look to, then faith grows suddenly into a cable, a monarch oak, a master principle of life. It may not be necessary for us to withdraw from homes and family, but we shall have to withdraw our heart's deepest dependence from all earthly props and supports if we are to learn what it is simply to trust, to, to trust simply and absolutely on the internal God. And isn't that what God's been doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A hearty oh, yeah from Brenda. Yeah. Yeah. He's testing all of us. Because our faith needs to grow. What we believe about God needs to grow because of the days we're coming into. What we have is not sufficient. And I just finished listening. I think I listened to the whole thing. Um, every year, Times Square Church has a pastor's conference on, uh, for pastors and their wives. And this year, it was firing my bones, firing your bones. So when I saw the advertisement for it, this was months ago, I was like, I'd love to go to one of their conferences to get ministered to, you know, because just pastors from everywhere and their wives are coming. But I know this, you know, my husband's like, it's hard to get them to go on vacations. <laughs> so I was on YouTube the other day and I saw all the pastors that spoke are all on YouTube. They, they recorded them all. So I was able to listen to a lot of them, and I was so blessed. Because all I'm going to say, these are seasoned men of God, and they're all saying the same thing we have been hearing here for two or three years now. The same exact thing. And I trust these men of God because they have the Holy Spirit in them, and they operate in all the gifts of the Spirit. So I was very encouraged that, Lord, we're on the right pathway. And he said, all of the pastors said that spoke, expect opposition. Expect resistance. Expect persecution. Expect even some to go to jail. They're hearing from God. Because as we look at these heroes of faith, we're going to see their lives. But we're going to see their faith, too, in their generation. Again, what are people going to say about us, about our faith, about our faith? It's unfortunate our faith grows in the furnace of affliction. None of us want that, right? No. No. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, I don't want to suffer. But scripture tells us, James 1, before we look at the heroes, James 1, 2, and 4, this is for the uh, ESV. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials. 
For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. First Peter 1, verse 7, ESV again says, If you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness faith of your faith be more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, it may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, though you have not seen him, you love. Right? All of you in this room love Jesus. You love him. God's purifying our faith so that he may be glorified. So this week we're going to be looking at faith applied. And this is through the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, and Rahab. That was the homework assignment. I don't know how many here was able to do the homework assignment. Picking one of those characters, one of those individuals, and why you are so drawn to their lives. Something about them. And because I had a sense that not many people did the homework, I'm going to read through Hebrews 11 together. Okay? So we'll read through Hebrews 11 together, through Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. The scriptures are there on the handout. If you want to read, read a section. If you don't want to read, just pass and let the other person read it, but we're going to read straight through. What we're going to see in this chapter, there's two groups of people in this group. The first are those whose faith accomplished various miraculous acts that seem totally unreasonable and impossible when God told them. Like, for example, with Noah. God told them to build an ark because a flood was coming. They had never experienced that before. How did he know what he was talking about? But he didn't try to reason it out. He just said, God said it. I mean, we heard that, right? God said it. That settles it. I believe. And Noah built that ark. He knew judgment was coming. He knew it. He didn't sit around just doing nothing about it. God told him what to do. He told him what to do. So we see those whose faith accomplished various miraculous acts that just seem to the natural reasoning mind absurd, like march around Jericho seven times and the walls will fall down. Really? (laughs) How big is your God? How big is my God? The other group, are those who were willing to sacrifice their lives for what they believed. They would rather lose their life than renounce Christ or apostate. That's the time we're living in. It's going to increase. So we'll start with Hebrews 11. Read a section. Whoever wants to read the section. The handout is there. We'll reach straight through. And then we'll go back and just look at it again together. So do you want to start, Brenda? We're reading. Hebrews 11. Okay. You can read in your Bible or in the handout. It's on the handout? Yeah. Oh, goodness. I see that. It's okay. (laughs) I'm going to turn this off because I don't think the recording can get us. But we'll be back. If the recording is recording, we'll be back. So as we read through the Hebrews 11, all the way through Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, 
which one, now I can ask you all, which one, this person's exercise of faith or expression of faith impressed you the most? And why? So think about all that time Joshua spent with Moses, how it affected him that when he was told, march around the city seven times, he knew God's got this. Why should I question? God's got this. What would have happened if they only went six times? But total obedience. That's what you see, right? Total obedience. They did it, Sarah pointed out, they did it exactly how God told them. They didn't add to it. They didn't take away from what he said. Exactly how God said it, they did it. I had thought of Joshua as well. I had gone back in my mind to something earlier in the story of Joshua. Uh-huh. When him and Caleb were the only ones who had faith to yes. get to the promised land. Mm-hmm. And how everyone... All his life had this initial faith of, yeah, we'll get there. But once they hit an obstacle or roadblock, right. every one of them lost faith except for Joshua and Caleb. And I was just thinking that sometimes in life, we do have an, we have an initial faith. Like, oh, God's told me he's going to do this. You're excited and you know that God's going to do something. But then something unforeseen happens that mm-hmm. seems like contradicts what God told you. And then you were like, maybe you didn't speak in the first place. Right. It wasn't right. You start doubting. So Thinking faith is you have to, even when your circumstances don't look like you think, yeah, to yeah, keep on having faith. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because as we saw earlier, our faith gets tested in fire. Think about Joseph. Yeah. Everything Joseph went through. I mean, God showed Joseph when he was young what his life would be. He had no idea how the whole thing was going to play out. But look at everything Joseph went through. But, you know, in Psalms, I forget which which Psalm, it says he held on to the word of the Lord. He held on to it in the midst of all the obstacles, all the, did God really say, you know, was I just imagining this or, and God fulfilled his promise. Again, we go back to that. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter the obstacles in our way. 
God's, what, how many things have God told us in his word, promises that we could cling to? And as we're learning, becoming women of faith is trusting in his faithfulness. His faithfulness, not ours. Because are we faithful? No. We blow it, right? We can make the promises all the hundredth <laughs> time. I'll never do this again. And then we find ourselves doing the thing we said we'll never do again. But God keeps his promises. And that's our anchor. It's an anchor for our soul, his word. It doesn't matter what it looks like. What you shared is so true, I believe. I believe regardless. Because one thing we have to realize, things don't happen on our timetable. And that's what we don't like. Now, Lord. Now, Lord, right? No, we have to remember the years. I mean, Joseph. Yeah. Years. It was years. Yeah. And no, a hundred years. Like, I can't even, like, count that. You know what I mean? A hundred years. Yeah. He waited for the floods to come. Yeah. And he had to just build that ark and keep ridiculing him and everything else. Mocking him, scoffing yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, because we think it was a week or a couple of months. You know what I mean? Just some chapter. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why the chapters are not good. <laughs> we had just read this by Joseph, and it really stood out to me. Because I don't remember reading it before, but in Psalms 105, 16 through 19, when he summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of him, Joseph, who was sold in the plague. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron. Until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. That's, that's the psalm I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, and I was like, I did not think about that that was really what God was testing. He's so strong and careful. Right. Get, you know, I mean, since he was told, like, in Potiphar's house, he's so strong in character and mm-hmm. detail and all mm-hmm. that. And they really just God testing him. Mm-hmm. And I really hadn't seen it like that before. And you think about how many times we're holding on to a promise or God makes a promise to us and it's testing us. It's It tests us. We start to doubt. It's like, has God really said? I mean, can I really believe him? But I go back to thinking about Joshua and all the miracles he saw in Moses' time. And he knew no, God is faithful. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. So is there anyone else that stands up there too from what we read? Joseph, okay, when God 
God takes you guys out of Egypt, right. take me, take my bones. Take my bones. Yeah, because you know? yeah. like, I believe. Do that. I believe. I be. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Sarah did a homework. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> Along those lines, I want to read this. This is this is from the the Bible study. This is what Cynthia wrote here. She said, "Faith can be as straightforward as presenting a righteous offering, or as monumental as building a massive ark. It can mean packing up and traveling to an unknown destination." or staying in a city to wait for an attack. Think about all the characters we just read. I mean, this is, different ones did what we're reading here. It can entail receiving strength to conceive a child in old age and strength to offer the same child as a sacrifice. It may lead to marching on dry land between gigantic walls of water or marching around the city for seven days. Faith can lead, lead us unscathed from a fiery furnace, like Daniel when he was in the furnace, or from a night of imprisonment with lions. Daniel also with lions. Faith can, may involve choosing to remain steadfast by enduring scourging, imprisonment, stonings, and destitution in order to be resurrected to a better life. It means preferring to die rather than renounce God. It is believing that this world offers little in comparison to the blessing of eternity. It moves us to the place where everything we have is in the hands of God. Trusting in his promise of a heavenly country worthy of every kind of sacrifice. That's faith. That's faith. And we can go back and look through the scriptures and back everything up she said there with scripture. Because when we look at Abraham, Abraham, he obeyed God. He went out. He didn't know where he was going. But all he knew, God told him, pack it up and go. Once you leave your friends, family, everything you know, where you've been born, everything familiar to you, and go to an unknown place. And I'll tell you, that was the scripture God used for me when I first came to Kentucky, because I had never been here, even though Jeff went through pill life. I'd never been here before. And I was at a missionary service church that I don't go to a friend invited me to go and the whole time it's like the pastor was talking to me it was Smithtown Gospel and the church was packed I mean packed out and I knew I need to respond to that altar call I heard God calling me I have something for you to do I didn't know what that meant I mean Jeff was in his third program it's like what does that mean but I knew I had to go down to the altar. And I went down to the altar and I just surrendered to the Lord. It's like, Lord, whatever. Whatever it looks like, wherever you want to take me, just here I am, send me. He used this scripture, Abraham, and he used Uriah uh, from Isaiah. Lord, here am I, send me. And, then, and when I went down to the altar, I just broke and just crying out to the Lord and praying. And there was a lady that was... 
Um, she went to my church and she was a missionary in Russia. And she was visiting the church at the same time too. And she kept saying, she saw me down in the altar. She said, I can't believe you're here. I said, what do you mean? I can't believe I'm here. She said, because as they were giving this altar call, you kept popping up in my mind. I don't go to that church. She was visiting that church. I'm like, really? She said, yeah. So I didn't know what it all meant, but it was shortly after that Jeff had called me and said the Lord spoke to him to sell everything and to come to Kentucky. And I had never been here. And all I knew, I was going like Abraham said, go. I didn't know where I was going, but I knew God said go. And everyone thought we were nuts. My job kept telling me, well, hold your job here for six months. I kept telling them, I'm not coming back. They said, no, no, we'll give you a leave of absence six months. I told them, I'm not coming back. And I had been there for 1984, 19, no, I started working in the hospital in 1980. And I left 1994. So I was already vested and everything. And I knew I was walking away from everything, you know, so... When God tells you to go, obey. Don't try to figure it out. He didn't give me the blueprints. He didn't give Abraham the blueprints. He just said, go. I want you to go. And do you know when we started the church and the counseling center, this was the same scripture God gave us to leave pure life. And we knew, okay, Lord, but we've been here 22 years serving at that ministry. Where are we going? What are we doing? And Steve, you've, some of you have heard the story already. He said, God's not going to show you the next step like he shared, Jeff shared earlier, until you step out of the boat onto the water. Step out of the boat onto the water and God will unfold it. And sure enough, that's exactly how God did it immediately. It wasn't even delay. It was immediate. So when God says, go, don't sit around. Well, I don't know. I'm reasoning yourself right out of it. I know someone that's done that, running from God for years, and God has a call on her life. And I told him when we had the special meetings, the time of running is over. Don't waste your life. You'll look back with regret that God could have been using you. He had a call on your life. He had a call on your life. Abraham was living in tents, meaning he was ready to go wherever God called him to go. Because the tent, you just pack that thing up and you go. He didn't settle. He didn't settle. Well, he waited. And this is what has to be in our heart. He waited for the city which has foundations, builder and maker is God. And ultimately, that's what we're waiting for. Ultimately, we're waiting for that heavenly city. Right? Yeah. We're waiting. But our roots settle down here. You know, that's why we have to look at every day. Where am I settling? How deep are my roots settling in? That if God was to tell me, go again, am I willing to go? Uproot everything and go, or leave everything. You have to look like this. 
surrendered. Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, however much time I have left here, don't let me waste it. Don't let me waste it. Sarah, she conceived strength to bear a child. How? She judged him faithful who had promised. That was another crazy. I mean, how old was she? 90. How old was his husband? He was even older. <laughs> but she judged him, God, faithful to his promise. And remember, she didn't believe. She laughed. And then she lied about it. The angel said, what? What are you laughing at? And she's like, I'm not laughing. <laughs> yes, you are laughing because you don't believe. I'm going to do this at the appointed time. You will have a child. And she did. I think it's interesting she's in here. You know, after that, it's like, I guess she did believe after that. Well, and, and she devised her own scheme. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know? I well yeah. That's why everything's a mess the way it is. <laughs> because we try to help God. I'm gonna make this happen this way. Yeah. And Mama helps. <laughs> Mama helps. That's right. Mama. Yeah, mamas. You mamas. <laughs> But then you, when you look at the next section about these heroes, even though they had not received the promise, verses 13 through 16, having seen them afar off, they were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And this encourages me what it says next, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek the whole world not my home. This is not your home. We're just here temporarily. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. If you are born again, truly been born again, this is not your home. And Jesus can call you anytime to come home. What's going to hold you back? What's going to hold you back? How deep are our roots here? I've seen people on their deathbed through the years of ministry that we've been alongside them while they were dying. And I tell you, the flesh don't want to go. And these were Christians. And they don't want to go. They hold on and hold on and hold on. And it's like, why are you holding on? You know Jesus. Why are you holding on? Do you know what he has prepared for us? It says, but now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God for he's prepared a city for them. That is so encouraging. Mm -hmm. He's prepared a city for us. There's another realm, and that realm is more real than this realm. I know I say that a lot, but it's true. And that's what you see 
in the beginning of Hebrews 11, that invisible realm, all this was created out of that invisible realm. This generation can call us delusional or whatever they want to call us. We know the truth. It's real. It's real. And don't let anyone take your testimony of that. And don't be ashamed to not share that truth with people. Because you know the truth. It's real. And they'll say all kinds of things about us. You really believe that? Yeah, I do. I do. So you look at all these, especially Moses. I mean, Moses was in the palace. Right? He was in charge of Egypt, second in command with Pharaoh. But he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He had it all, but he knew this isn't it. This isn't it. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured a seeing him who is invisible. Now how did he do that? Because Jesus wasn't even on the scene. By faith. He had heard about the Messiah. He had heard about the kingdom of God will come. So when you look at all these heroes, the ones that are in the section of verses 30 and 40, the others that really, that were tortured, that they're believers now being tortured in third world countries and underground churches that they'll be praying for on Friday. But you see their testimony was they weren't accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. God hadn't provided something better. And that's got to be our mindset. I mean, that's just, it has to be our mindset. There should be a longing in our heart for what we're reading. And if there's not, then we need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, search me. Try me. Know my heart. What is in my heart that's holding back from entering into this race with these heroes? Because we're surrounded. And we might. We read that. Hebrew struggle. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the ones we just read about, I don't know how that works, but scripture says we're surrounded by their, their looking. What are they doing in their generation? I can't imagine what, what are they talking about, about us here. When that's real to us, then we'll want to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and we will run with endurance the race that's set before us. 
And the only way we could do it is by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. So what lessons do you think that the writer of Hebrews wants us to apply to our own lives based on what we just looked at tonight? Believe in God for what he says and that his promises are true. To have faith in what is unseen. Have faith in what is unseen. Are we running this race in vain? No. It's not in vain. Think about the Apostle Paul, everything he went through. And he said, light momentary afflictions. He saw it all as light momentary afflictions. Why? Because his heart was set on eternity. And he had been caught up to the third heaven, but he never talked about it. He never talked about it. He was left for dead in the book of Acts. He was stoned to death. They thought he was dead. And the next day, he was out preaching the gospel again. Yeah. I think about how often in the Old Testament it says remember, remember, remember. Mm-hmm. And I think about that when like, that's why we lose faith. Yeah. We don't remember. Yeah. Like God has been so faithful. Like mm-hmm. we all have a testimony that's right. of over and over. And then when we're to our faith is tested and we or when we doubt God and then again he shows himself faithful to oh, That's why I'm a firm believer in journaling. I know you hear me say this a lot, but you write it down, how God's been faithful to you, how he's answered prayer, how he's just done miraculous things, not only in your life, but in other people's lives. And when you're doubting, you have that. It's, I like to call your book of remembrance. <laughs> it's just what Deborah's saying about remember, remember, remember. It's a good way to remember because when you start doubting or your faith is really being tested and you're like, where is God in all of this? You could pull out those journals and read through them and you're like, yeah, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? We serve the same God all of these heroes did. We're serving the same God. And if he was faithful to them, Don't you think he's going to be faithful to us in our generation? Of course. The enemy wants us to believe he's not going to help you. You're all alone. I'm so sick of him with you're all alone. Because don't you feel that way sometimes? Like you're all alone? Elijah did too. And Jesus, Jesus, yeah. (laughs) The angel of the Lord said to him, God said to him, Jesus, it was picture of Jesus, you're not alone. I have others. I have others. And that's what that pastor's conference meant to me. 
listening to all those pastors that I trust their walks with the Lord. I've known their lives for years. And they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. And it's the same pathway God has us on. So we should be encouraged. We should really be encouraged. God is really with us. Leading us and guiding us. And we have to stop believing the enemy. His lies. And he will speak to other believers. He spoke to Peter. And what did Jesus say? Satan, get behind me. So guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Hath God said? Yes, God has said. Mm-hmm. Remember, how did Jesus fight his battles in the wilderness? It is written. It is written. It is written. That's always going to be the attack. Yes, you're right. Opinions. And there's a lot of them now. Yeah. And they're all over YouTube. Yeah. They are all over YouTube. So you have to be very careful. Well, even Satan used the word God yeah. when he was tempting him. Like he, he twisted he said, it. Yeah. He's an angel of light. Yeah. And he's very good at what he does because he's been at it since the Garden of Eden. So we have to immerse ourselves in the Word of God for ourselves. Not just rely on Bible study or coming to church on for ourselves. We have to be in the Word of God for ourselves. That's how you get the sermon. That's how you get the sermon. And I know I've said this before. The bank teller, they don't study counterfeit dollars. They look at the real thing. And then when the counterfeit comes, they spot it immediately. So the more you're in the word, the more you're in the word, the more you're in the world, you can like, see. You can spot the counterfeit. Yeah, that's true. Yes. That's how to. I was always like afraid. Of, you know, it's always a fear. Like, you know, am I going to believe something? But this frankly, you always encouraged me. Be able, if you're in the word of God, it's and it's true. Like, so you just, it just didn't sit with me, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. It sounded good, but it's not right. Something's not right about right, that. Something and right. when you go to the Word of God, it's like, yep, clear as day. Like, nope, that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, but it sounds good to your ear. Mm-hmm. You know, but it wasn't true. So next week, Lord willing, we are on the last chapter. We made it through. And it's keeping the faith. That's the last chapter in here, keeping the faith. So once we finish this, we're going to do the Bible study that she has, Becoming Women of Prayer. And I'm excited to do that one because it's not, it's more an intimacy than anything else. And that's why I loved it when I saw what her chapters were because our time with the Lord should be intimate. It's like a husband, it should be intimate. There's an intimacy there, you know. And then once you have his heart and know his heart, then you can pray because you're praying his heart, you know. So so I'm going to just close in prayer, and hopefully this recording came out. But, Lord, I do thank you so much for all the heroes of faith that have gone before us. We're 
always learning from them. And they were men and women just like us. They had flaws and issues that they were dealing with in life, but yet still they were your people. And you were their God. And you were faithful to them because you are covenant God. You keep your promises, Lord. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to just reflect on just the things they went through and even the the ones that did not renounce their faith, they were willing to be persecuted and go through hard times, Lord, knowing that it was going to cost them everything. God, would you give us that kind of faith in our generation to be able to stand firm to the end? Lord, you spoke that so clear to me the other day at home. Just those two words, stand firm. And Lord, I pray for the grace, not only for myself, but for all of us ladies and the children in this room, that our faith would be so firmly rooted in who you are, Lord, that nothing will be able to shake us away from our faith in you, the foundation that we are standing on, the rock, the rock of ages, Lord, you are the rock of ages, Lord, and we are trusting you to help us to run this race all the way to the finish line, Lord, all the way, I pray not one person would be left behind, everyone in this room, everyone hearing on Podbean, would be able to persevere no matter how hard it gets in the race, but make it over that finish line to hear the well done, my good and faithful servant from your lips, Lord. I just ask this and pray this for my sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.